This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. And this is... For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome back to episode 27. Hey, how's it going? Merry Christmas. Yes, it is almost Christmas. How many days? Today's the 21st. Four Four days. days. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. This year, as terrible as it has been, has flown by. Thank God. (laughs) I'm so over it. Me too. I'm ready for... I don't know what I'm ready for. It's just going to be the same next year, really. I know. I know. Like I said a couple episodes ago, it's like we... 2021, all of a sudden it's going to be 2021, so everything's going to change, right? Yeah, no. Probably not, but just 2020 literally has been the worst. It's the hope, I guess, that... Yeah, just new beginnings. Yeah. (laughs) So... So... I wanted to tell you and our listeners something. Oh, yeah. Here it is. I've been waiting for this all night, guys. <laughs> so you're okay. I don't know if you saw, but uh, yesterday your dad got Titus a um, like a little tool workshop thing for Christmas. Uh-huh. Did you see that? Uh, I didn't really pay much attention. No. No. Okay. So it's like a little stand and you can, it ha- came with like a bunch of, you know, like plastic screws and like you can make stuff, oh. you can build stuff. It comes with like a, um, like a drill, you put batteries in it and you can drill them into to the little holes. Cute. But it also came with a fucking saw. Oh. Like a plastic one. Okay. And so I was, um, uh, standing in the bathroom. And Titus just comes in there to me with the saw and he's just looking at me and then he just slashes me across the stomach oh with my it gosh. and goes, mommy, die. Oh, and so I pretended to fall on the floor dead. And then Titus was going, dad, dad. And he and dad was like, what? And he was like, mommy, die. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Scotty was like, how did mommy die? And he just said, mommy, die. So he came in there and he was like, did you do it? And Titus slashes himself across the stomach with the big salt and then falls on top of me and goes, Titus, die. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't even know, like, what to think about that. Like, that's a morbid ass kid right there. We play games like that all the time. I know. Yeah. But and then you kiss them and they revive. But it was just weird. He's four. You guys. <laughs> I really don't know where he learned that from. I guess. Um, I mean, I guess if you can die by a punch, you can die by a saw. So, yeah. and by a punch, I mean like a gentle little tap. Like it, we don't punch our kids. <laughs> super creepy. Mommy die. Mommy die. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. He was hitting your your mom came by earlier today, and he was hitting her with it too, and she was oh hitting gosh. him with the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and by hitting again, guys, I mean little tap. Oh, <laughs> not him. He is hitting hard, but yeah. you know we're tapping him with this stuff because that's how he likes to play so wow yeah morbid uh sense of humor is run in the family on both sides yeah yeah they do 
but I thought you would find that interesting. <laughs> that is very interesting. I don't know whether to laugh or be worried. If you do come over tomorrow. Um, <laughs> He's probably going to cut me with a saw. Yeah. I'll be prepared. Over the stomach. And then you have to pretend to die. Okay. He'll give you a kiss to revive you. I got so. this. We used to do this in my pool over the summer, too. Oh, yeah. Um, we would <laughs> act like we were floating in the pool dead, and he'd have to kiss us and bring us back. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's like one of his favorite games. I forgot about that. <laughs> we would literally float in the water like we were dead. Yeah, and then he would do it. <laughs> he would try. That's terrible. My favorite thing is, I don't know if you guys know who Siren Head is, but um, Titus is obsessed with Siren Head and he would always put his hands like, <laughs> so he would put um like one, like his right hand, you know, to the right side of his head and then his left hand to the uh, left side of like the top of the left side of his head is what okay. I'm trying to say. So it's like, you know, little staggering hands. And um, if you don't know what Siren Head is, look him up because then you would kind of understand what he's trying to do. But he would do that with a life jacket on. And he would like his basically only his like nose would be popping out of the water <laughs> because he can't like float like that. Yeah, right. And it would crack me up. <laughs> Hilarious. He's a funny kid. I got him a, a Siren Head plushie for Christmas because he's been he's he don't he always says um Santa siren head wheeze and wheeze means toys oh. so he's been saying wheeze for I don't even know how long and, and we were like, like what what's a saying? wheeze and we would like we'd be like bring us a wheeze because we don't know and yeah. so he would just bring us something different every time yeah but then like after weeks we realized that everything toys. he brought us was a toy yeah so that's how we figured it out too funny he's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> so brooke does have a very long episode today i had started researching um spoiler alert for next week a serial killer but she told me that her episode is very very long so i in about four hours mm -hmm. um researched a new case that's a lot shorter um I've heard this case be discussed on podcasts before. I've never really been interested enough in it to like want to actually do it. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of briefly did research on it. So my episode's going to, or my portion of the episode's going to be really short just because Brooks is really long. Um, next week you will have more. Mm -hmm. uh, in depth. Yeah. About something different. But, um, I wanted to kind of do something, you know, very short on you know, that kind of related to the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. This takes place on December 6th, which isn't really the Christmas season, but it's, it's December, December. So, yeah. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, I'm doing um, the Los Feliz Murder House or Murder Mansion. It's interchangeable, I guess. And um, this pl takes place in Los Angeles, California. And I looked up what Los Feliz means. or f uh, I looked up the how to pronounce that. I'm not sure. I always do that. I'll look up the pronunciation and then I'll forget it. Mm -hmm. um, but it means the ones from the Feliz family. Okay. So, And this was like... <sighs> this was a big house. And it was like... It was a Spanish revival-styled mansion. Mm -hmm. So I guess... I think it's like a neighborhood. Yes. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So... Anyway, so... Harold Perelson and his wife Lillian bought this house. 
and it was 5,000 square feet. Wow. That's a big house. Wow. If you look at the pictures, it doesn't seem that big. No, that's, I was looking earlier at the pictures. It definitely does It looks like a normal sized house. Yeah. yeah. It must go f- far back. That's what we said about the Watcher house too. It really doesn't look like a mansion. Yeah. But, um, so they bought this house in the 1950s. Um, it had a ballroom with a bar. Okay. Four master bedrooms. Wow. Three regular bedrooms. A library, a three-car garage, terraced lawns, gardens, and even had uh, servers' quarters. Wow! It definitely does not look that big. That's no, not it nice. doesn't. <laughs> um. So they lived in this house with uh, their three children, Judy, Joel, and Debbie. Okay. And Harold was, as we can tell, a rich man, right? Yeah. Okay. So he was a prominent heart surgeon and a professor of cardiology at the USC School of Medicine. Okay. And he even spoke at conferences and wrote research articles in medical journals. Wow. So very smart man. Intelligent. Yes. So, um... Harold had came up with this design for, um, so basically what it, what it is, is that like, it's like a small glass capsule and, um, substances would be injected into you like via syringe from this small glass capsule or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to make injections safer and less prone to contamination I'm pretty sure that's what it does. It was kind of hard to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not a a medical doctor. But that's just kind of like the gist of what I got from it. Well, the fact that syringes could be contaminated back then is very frightening. (laughs) Well, it makes sense, though. Yeah. Um, And this is a long time ago, correct? In the 1950s, yeah. Okay. They bought the house in 1959. Okay. Unfortunately for Harold, though, his business partner, Edward Shustak, basically tried to, like, steal the design and cut Harold out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because of this, two years of legal battles ensued, and Harold was demanding $100,000, which in today, today's times would be roughly a million dollars. Yeah. Um. And he was demanding this um, for damages. And your computer screen just went black. It's not going to die, is it? I hope not. What's the percent on? How do I check it? Oh, it's at 18%, so we should probably get a charger. Yeah. But it came back on, so. Okay. Do you want me to do that while you are doing your okay. story? No, uh, we'll pause it sorry, really fast. guys. Okay. Uh we got things situated now. We're using Brooke's laptop instead of the desktop because it kept deleting all of our shit. So we've had a lot of difficulties today. Anyways, what was I, where was I at? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. That little design thingy he did. So, um, so he made that little design and then Edward Shoestack like wanted to steal it or tried to steal it and cut Harold out of the deal. And then Harold took him to court. 
spent over a million dollars or he was demanding a million dollars in damages. Yeah. Um, so these legal fees and Harold's previous investments in the device, like pretty much almost depleted their family finances. Ooh. And unfortunately for him, he was only awarded $24,000 in the end instead uh. of the 100000 he was demanding. Right. So that sucks for him. That sucks, but that's still a pretty penny in 1959. Yeah. But I guess he needed more. I don't know. So shortly after all of this, um, Judy, his eldest, she was 16, her and her siblings were in a car crash. And um, Harold again had to go to court and pay for damages. And... um, he was only awarded the money to cover medical costs and not the $50,000 he was trying to obtain. Yee. So He's just down on his luck when it comes to finances, eh? It's just one thing after another. Um, he also suffered a number of heart attacks. Wow. Which he said were due to the financial stress, but yeah. later on... Um, we'll find out that these were actually caused by failed suicide attempts. Ooh. Yeah. Um, during this time, Lillian had even thought about committing him to an institution because he just was like not doing okay. Yeah. So the dreaded day has arrived. December 6th, 1959. Harold got up at 5 a.m. He grabbed a ball, a ball peen hammer and then returned to the master bedroom where his beautiful wife was just sleeping away in bed. Oh, no. Just sleeping away. Just everything was good in the world. And then he bashed her skull in. Oh, yeah. why? Um, just that's a lot of times why family annihilators kill their families is due to financial stress but i think he probably also had mental issues considering all the failed suicide attempts and like yeah and these suicide attempts were done with like strong drugs so i'm sure they also impacted his brain right some way i don't know so um he struck her in the head so hard with the ball peen hammer that it left a one inch wide hole in her skull. She did not die immediately. Oh no. Yeah. Did she fight? No, she was asleep. She just, I mean, she was unconscious after being hit in the head like that, but um, it was noted that she continued to breathe for a little while before she died. (sighs) Yeah. Um, After he killed his wife, he turned his attention to his children. No. He opened the door to his oldest child, Judy, the 16-year-old, to her room and swung the ball-peen hammer at her head. He hit her, but she survived. She woke up after being hit in the head like that and obviously had an excruciating headache and just seized this horrible image of her father soaked in blood, like his hands soaked in blood standing above her with a ball-peen hammer. Like, could you imagine waking up and seeing somebody that you love and trust no, that's horrifying. Yeah. And Harold told her, lay still, keep quiet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure thing, Dad. 
So during all of this commotion, um, Judy's younger 11-year-old sister, Debbie, kind of got out of bed and was like, you know, what the fuck is going on here? Because obviously Judy's screaming. Mm -hmm. She's fighting her dad off, you know? And um, so she walks into the room and Harold is like, go back to bed. This is a nightmare. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's fucked in the head. Very. So Judy uses this this distraction to run out of the house, and she went to a neighbor's house. She was covered in blood, obviously. She had been hit over the head with a ball-peen hammer, mm. and we all know head wounds bleed tremendously. Mm. Yeah. Um, before she made it to the neighbor's house, um, the neighbors reportedly heard her screaming, don't kill me. That's heartbreaking. So Sherry Lewis was the neighbor Judy ran to, and she said, Judy came to our door. I remember having my hand in her blood. I used to babysit the children there. I was supposed to spend the night there, in fact. Wow. Good thing she didn't. Yeah. So after only killing his wife and none of his children, Harold decided that he was just done. So we went to the bathroom and mixed nimbutal, which is a powerful barbiturate. Barbiturate? Is that how you say that? Barbiturate? Barbiturate. Barbiturate? Bar. It's B-A-R-B-I-T-U-R-A-T-E. Barbiturate. That's how you say it? I think so. Okay. I could be wrong. I'm probably butchering it. No, you're probably right. (laughs) Um... So he mixed that with water and then swallowed 31 tranquilizer pills. By the time the police had gotten to the house, Harold was dead with the hammer still in his hands. Well, he took the pansy way out. Yeah, he did. For sure. They usually do. He should have bashed his own head with the bulky right. hammer. Um, and next to him was Dante's Divine Comedy, open to a page marked at the passage of Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within the forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. Mm. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, that's super creepy. (laughs) So the authorities searched the house and were shocked by the brutality of the murder. And they said that Lillian had not died from blood loss, but from asphyxiation from drowning in her own blood. Oh, no. And so then the children were put into the care of their aunt and were honestly probably traumatized for the rest of their entire lives. Poor Judy. Yeah. Oh, I wonder how she looks. I don't know. I don't either. Probably fairly normal. I mean, I don't, I mean, I guess he, I mean, he didn't hit her. He didn't bash her head in. He didn't bash her head in. Just hit her hard enough to make her bleed and... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she is alive. She, I don't think she suffered any brain damage or anything, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's really all I did. Just something short. Okay. You know, straight to the point. Something scary for your Christmas holiday. <laughs> um, but, you know, not enough to, like. Ruin your evening like I'm about to do. Right. <laughs> and I just was going to leave the next, um, like, what, hour and a half probably <laughs> this is gonna be a Separate. long one yeah so um i promise that <laughs> i feel like our listeners are probably like 
Yeah, right. Alyssa just didn't want to do research, <laughs> which is not true. I literally did half of my research for my other one. And then I told her, like, look, mine's super, super long. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, we don't want to have like a four hour episode. So right. I'll do something short and sweet this week. And yes. Yeah. So, so I stayed up literally till like three in the morning doing. And these I, I may notes. just do the same thing next week for you since you've got a long one. Okay. So. Well, I don't know if mine's mine's oh. not going to be that long. Okay. So. Um, I do really quick before we uh, let you listen to a word uh, from our sponsors um, want to mention what I was initially going to cover this week and I have this has been a case that I've been following for many many years um, it is the case of denim or uh, otherwise known as mostly harmless who was a hiker that was found dead in the Everglades um, a couple of years ago, I want to say. Anyway, it's it's a story I've been following for a long time. It's kind of one of those stories I saw this man, and he just kind of touched my heart. Um, yeah. Kind of almost like the Justin Gaines case. Mm-hmm. Like, you see somebody, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, I need to know more. I You know, it just, they, they just, I don't know, I guess you, you, develop a connection yeah to these definitely yeah so this is a case that i've been following like i said for a couple of years now been super super intrigued by it and i started researching and i researched and i took notes down and let me just tell you this is a unidentified person case after a couple of days of my research they now believe that they have discovered who denim slash mostly harmless is which i genuinely like my heart is so full right now. I like literally almost cried. <laughs> I will not be releasing who they believe uh, mostly harmless is because there are still family members that need to be notified and I will respect that. But I do have the knowledge of who he most likely is uh, just from some groups that I follow on Facebook. So sometime within the next few days, I'm sure they will release it. And on our next podcast, I will tell you who he is. And maybe I'll even post a picture of him in the group. Um, a lot of you probably are not familiar with this case, but now that you kind of know about it, look it up. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy story. And it's, this guy's been unidentified for a few years now. So yeah, I remember Brooke sent or Brooke added me to a group where it was for missing persons or missing, unidentified persons, missing slash unidentified people. So like, if you want to join it, do it. But you know, they do post a lot of pictures of like dead bodies. Dead bodies yes. Um. But any, anyway, she sent that to me, and um, I remember reading down this huge like rabbit hole of comments of people comparing his picture to other hikers and yeah and um I wonder if they were able to figure it out or if the police just figured it out actually what happened was they were able to do a DNA test oh yeah so they were able to trace back relatives and uh yeah, super. Like I said, I won't give away too much about this. I'm sure if you were to go online now, you could probably figure out who they're saying they think this man is. But even the sheriff's office where his body was found is saying for people not to release because even though we're most certain this is who it is, like I said, you know, family needs to be notified and right. you don't want to release until it's 100%. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I won't be doing that this week. I just, I thought it was very interesting that the case I was doing and that I've been so interested in for so many years, 
that while I'm in the middle of my research to do it, they find out yeah. who he is. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are the chances? Well, now I can't do it. So right. Anyway, uh, with that being said, we'll let you uh, listen to our sponsorship little clip, and we'll be back. This episode is sponsored by Rustic Peach. Rustic Peach is a small business owned by self-proclaimed crunchy mom, Jessica Armstrong. They offer over 20 different items, including lip balms, body products, and luxury candles made with pure soy. All of their items are handmade in small batches by a certified aromatherapist using only sustainable and clean ingredients. All of their fragrances are free of phthalates and parabens. I have purchased tons of items from Jessica, and I seriously can't say that I've had a single complaint. And the fact that everything is all natural makes it even 10 times better. I've actually got her flannel and fleece candle burning right now. While Rustic Peach was originally based out of Covington, Georgia, they recently made a move to Minnesota. As you can imagine, packing your entire life and business away and moving it across the country can be insanely difficult. Let's help support Jessica at her new home base with the holidays coming. You can reach Rustic Peach by email at rusticpeachnaturals at gmail.com. You can find them on Instagram at rusticpeachnaturals, on Facebook at facebook.com slash rustic peach ga also check out her website at rustic peach ga.com that's r-u-s-t-i-c-p-e-a-c-h-g-a.com be sure to use code juicer for 20 percent off your purchase at checkout again that's rustic peach ga.com r-u-s-t-i-c P-E-A-C-H-G-A dot com. Use code JUICER for 20% off. Welcome back, you guys. So... Tonight, I will be discussing the murder of Meredith Kircher, or what is better known as the Amanda Knox case. Um, to do my research, I watched several documentaries. Um, I watched the Netflix original, Amanda Knox. Uh, I also watched Knox on Trial by Real Truth Crime on YouTube. And another documentary on YouTube, but I do not remember the name of it. Uh, I hunted Reddit and Google for days. I researched for days before I even started jotting anything down. um, Because I just wanted to make sure that I had plenty of unbiased facts on the case. Um, I didn't want my thoughts to be swayed one way or the other. I wanted to make sure I had everything in order so I could make an educated decision. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. There's still plenty of speculation floating around about this case. Yeah. Um, Now, now that I know more about the case, I get it. Yeah. 
Um, it's just, it's a lot. And I understand why there are people that believe one way and there are people that believe the other. So um, before I started researching this, I had a different opinion than I do now. Wow. Yeah. Because I only knew what the media told us, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I just, I did so much and I watched so much before I even thought about writing anything down. Um, I'm the creep at the gym who's watching (laughs) grisly murder documentaries while I'm on the treadmill. You know, when I used to go to the gym with Scotty when Titus was really little, that's what I did too. I'm like, people know not to fuck with this chick. She's watching bloody, you know, craziness. Speaking of which, um, so... The other day, I went to Kroger with Ashton, mm-hmm. and <laughs> this is just how paranoid true crime makes me. Mm-hmm. So we're like in the produce aisle, mm-hmm. and she's talking to me. She's telling me about, you know, some stuff that was going on in her life and blah blah blah. And I see this man, <gasps> and this Kroger has a Starbucks in it. Yeah, and this man. So we were at Starbucks. We got a coffee, and then we went to the produce and. While we were at Starbucks, I noticed this man in the produce <laughs> just standing there, mm-hmm. just like not looking at anything, not doing anything, just kind of standing there. Yeah. Occasionally, might would look at his phone. And I was like, what is this dude doing? So we go to the produce, and he just in the produce, just kind of walking around, wandering around, not really doing anything. And he's freaking me out. <laughs> and then he walks over to the Starbucks and he's just kind of looking at the cups, looking at there's like a little sushi yeah. thing to the left of it. Just kind of looking at the sushi, just standing there, would occasionally like look around and then look at his phone. And I'm, I like stop Ashton and I'm like, look, sorry to interrupt you, but this man over there is creeping me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And so me and her just start staring at him <laughs> and we're just watching him. And dude, he's being so fucking creepy. He's just standing there doing nothing. Yeah. So weird. Just like looking around. Not grocery shopping, not right. getting coffee. And we were like, what is he doing? He's like looking for the perfect victim. That's oh what God. he's doing. Just standing there. And um, so we're just trying to like keep an eye on him and, you know, be safe, yeah. you know, because we're too, too young. Two young girls, you know, just at the grocery store. Yeah. Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. So later on, I'm like looking around. I'm like, dude, he's gone. Where did he go? We have to know where he is. And just about that time, he comes like barreling dial- down the aisle like with a buggy. And I'm like, what is this motherfucker doing? Mm-hmm. And then he stops where these two women are talking. And I'm like, oh, my God, one of them's about to get nabbed. They're <laughs> going to put her in that buggy and just <laughs> hightail it out of there. And then he, like, walks away with one of the women, and I guess it was, like, his wife or something. <laughs> but I think she had just come out of the bathroom, but he really uh, freaked us out. Uh, uh, so he's kind of standing around waiting on her probably. Yeah. Like, God. Uh, <laughs> Don't be funny. so creepy. <laughs> that's hilarious. It makes you paranoid, doesn't it? Yes, we were both scared. <sighs> so anyway... um. With all of that being said, uh, here's a little clip from the Netflix documentary that I watched, Amanda Knox. There are those who believe in my innocence, and there are those who believe in my guilt. There's no in-between. And if I'm guilty, it means that I am the ultimate figure to fear because I'm not the obvious one but on the other hand if I'm innocent 
It means that everyone's vulnerable. And that's everyone's nightmare. Either I'm a psychopath in sheep's clothing, or I am you. So, um, in November of 2007, Amanda Knox was just three weeks into being an, an exchange student in Italy when she became a prime suspect in the murder of her roommate, Again. Meredith, Meredith Kircher. She was arrested and spent almost four years in an Italian prison, becoming a household name across the world. In this episode, I'll be taking you on a journey of the media's obsession, the lies and deception, and the possible motives for murder. The day is November 2nd, 2007 in Perugia, Italy. 23-year-old, I'm sorry, 20-year-old Amanda Knox is an American exchange student at the University for Foreigners in the beautiful Italian city. Perugia sees thousands of foreigners each semester due to the colleges. Perugia has a vibrant nightlife catered to all of the college students. As a matter of fact, Amanda Knox works part-time at one of the well-known pubs. It was called Le Chic. Le Chic. Le Chic. Anyway, back to the late morning of November 2nd, 2007. Knox says she got home from her Italian boyfriend, Raffaele Selecito. Selecito. I have to practice that one. Selecito. Selecito. It's going to be another one of those that I have to say over and over again. And by the end of the episode, I will get it, you guys. (laughs) So she was at her boyfriend's. uh, She says that she got home from her boyfriend's house around noon. Amanda rented a cottage with three other women, Meredith Kircher, who was a British exchange student, and two Italian women. So it was the four of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, Seattle native Amanda and uh, Meredith, who was from London, had only known each other and lived together for about three weeks at this time. So not long. Not long at all. So, Amanda told Italian authorities that she had returned to the cottage that she shared with Kircher and the two other women on the late morning of November 2nd, having spent the night at her boyfriend, Raffaele Selecito's apartment. Is that his first and last name? Yes. Raffaello? Raffaele. Raffaele. Selecito. Selecito. So, she noticed several things that seemed strange, but at the time, she didn't think much about it for one the front door of the cottage was open and for two there were specks of dried blood in the sink of the bathroom that she shared with meredith she said i assumed that meredith was having menstrual issues and hadn't cleaned up yet ew who the fuck though (laughs) yeah so this was in an email to her family and friends and she says ew but nothing to worry about that would not be my first thought i would be kind of weirded out right i wouldn't if i saw it's blood blooded would you say on the sink yeah i would anything it could be anything if it was just like a little bit of blood i would not think anything of it freak out but like the cottage door being open that would that would be my first like oh shit this is weird i would think that's weird but i probably wouldn't even correlate the little speckles of blood right because it's not like you would think you would walk into like a gruesome scene not like a few speckles of blood yeah so she takes a shower 
And then she goes into the second bathroom, which is a bigger bathroom, Mm -hmm. to blow dry her hair. And this is when she sees poop in the toilet. Oh. Okay. Unflushed feces in the toilet. And she finally starts putting things together and thinks like, okay, something weird is going on. I would think that's weird. Ding, ding, ding. ding. (laughs) I would have already thought something was weird. With the door open, I would have been weirded out for sure. So we've already seen that the door is wide open. There's specks of blood. And now there's unflushed poop in the toilet. Ew. So now she's like, okay, I'm getting wigged out. And so she leaves the house. Yep. Okay. So I don't know. First of all, I'm going to be more wigged out by the blood than the poop. But anyway, Amanda, whatever. It would be the door for me. Yeah. The door. The door. Yeah. So she calls one of her roommates. Uh, Her roommate's name was Philomena Romanelli. Ooh. Femalina? Yeah, you can tell these are Italians, right? Femalina. Femalina. Philomena. Oh, Philomena. Philomena Romanelli. Love it. So she tells her that she thought that there could have been a forced entry, a robbery. So Philomena says that she's on her way. Wait, a robber, but was anything missing? No, but I guess she just kind of started putting things together, like, okay, something fuckery is going on here. Uh Uh-huh. So... And then just took a shit. Yeah, and left it. But I don't know. The whole situation's sketchy. Like, I would have been out before then, but whatever. So Philomena's like, I'm on my way. Right. So she then says that she returned to the house a little while later with her new boyfriend, Raffaele, to check for signs of a break-in. Okay? Mm -hmm. So she left, goes and gets her boyfriend, and comes back. Not the police. Right. Okay. So, Knox and Seleccio, who, Seleccio was a really shy Italian native. Mm -hmm. He was a computer science graduate, and he was studying at the local University of Perugia. And they had only been dating for about a week at this time. So, they were fresh into this relationship. yeah. Yeah, he was a little cutie, like Italian, shy, sweet, you know. Anyway, uh, so they had met at a classical music concert on October 25th. So, like I said, like very, very fresh relationship. Witnesses on the morning of November 2nd noted that the pair were kissing and loving on one another outside the cottage while the police were searching the house. Okay, okay. So the police do eventually come. So this, where they're loving all over each other and kissing, like it ends up being a huge deal that would become very important later on mm-hmm. okay well that just seems like a weird time to be that way anyway exactly exactly so the initial story goes that the two find meredith kircher's door locked and a smashed window in philomena's bedroom okay oh so amanda and Raffaele bang on the bedroom door and call out to meredith meredith several times and they don't get an answer so at this time, the other girls, the other two roommates, were out of town. Um, now there were four men who uh, occupied the downstairs apartment of the cottage. So there's mm-hmm. four girls upstairs. There's four men downstairs. Okay. Like I said, the other two were out of town, but I guess Philomena was close enough to come back. Right. And her bedroom is the one with the window smash. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> so Raffaele tries kicking the door down to no avail. He has no luck with it. 
So he then calls his sister, who is a lieutenant in the local police force, and she advises him to call the actual police. Right. You know, so he does that. Okay. Now, it was because of their findings that Amanda Knox became a household name, and it's also how she and Raffaele became prime suspects in this case. Because they found stuff? Pretty much. Okay, that makes sense. And because of weird behavior and because of a lot of other things we're going to get into. Okay. Okay. Now, I do want to say here that I think it is kind of sad that the name Amanda Knox kind of overshadowed the victim here. Mm -hmm. Um, If you say Amanda Knox, most people are going to know exactly who you're talking about. Where if you say Meredith Kircher, the girl who was murdered, not so many people will realize who you're talking about. Amanda Knox was a big deal. Well, I feel like Meredith Kircher, it was just kind of, you know, the roommate who got killed. But it wasn't Amanda Knox. Amanda Knox was everywhere. That's how it goes for all killings, though. They sensationalize the killer. It's true. Like, you know Ted Bundy, but can you name one of his victims? No. No. Jeffrey Dahmer. That's sad. It's very sad. So, uh, so Philomena, uh, the roommates, the roommate that Amanda Knox called arrives at the cottage. Unfortunately, in her rummaging around looking for anything that might be missing, she inadvertently disturbs the crime scene. I'm about to sneeze. I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) Bless you. So sorry. Okay. So, on discovering that the two phones Kircher typically carried with her had been found in a nearby garden, Philomena becomes concerned and requests that the police force open the door to Kircher's bedroom. But As the, they should have already done. Right. But the police declined to do so. Why? I don't know. So, from what I read, um, Meredith had two cell phones. One was like an English cell phone. And one was like an Italian self or, uh, yeah, something of that nature. She had two different phones. So, but anyway, her phones are found out in a garden somewhere. So she's like, police, you need to bust this door down. Like something's odd here. And they're like, no. And they say no. So instead, Philomena's male friend forced the door open at around uh, 1.15 p.m. And a gruesome scene oh God, oh is God, oh found. God. Dude, those police. Fuck them. I know. So this is, we're talking like an hour after yeah. Amanda and her boyfriend were there. there. So, um, like I said, this gruesome scene's found. Meredith's dead, partially naked body is found under a duvet cover on the floor. She has been sexually assaulted and stabbed seven times. Oh, my God. Her throat has been slashed. Two of her wounds were severe on each side of her neck. The wound to the right side of her neck was narrow and deep, while the wound on the left side of her neck was wide, large, gaping, and fatal. What the heck? These two wounds were likely made with two different knives. So, in... And I don't know if that seven times is correct. Mm -hmm. Now, in the documentary, they said that there were several superficial wounds. Yeah. Several on her chin um, that were almost like somebody was taunting her. Oh, my God. Yes. And then in another article I read, it said something like 43 wounds. So I don't know what is correct, but I did read seven more than once. And that's why I put that there. Um, That just came up on here. You should check it. What did? Your text message. Oh, 
it's Aaron. I, I don't know what I was doing. I mean, where do I start? Because that was not in my notes. <laughs> oh, um, the, the gruesome scene, her neck had been, the left side was wide and open and the right side. Okay, so I said these were likely made with two different knives. Yes. Okay, I hope I don't fuck this up because none of that was in my notes. I was just talking from memory. <laughs> That's okay. You can, even if you have to repeat yourself, it's fine. Okay. You ready to record? Oh. I didn't pause it. I just. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, I didn't know we were recording still. Damn I was just it. marking it so that I knew where to. Okay. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> let me point out later. Uh, something that later the prosecutors argued. So I told you she was found under a duvet cover on the floor, right? Yes. Prosecution argued that only a woman would have thought to cover the body. I guess to save the other female some dignity. That's that men not true. don't typically cover females. I mean, she was partially nude. That it would be a woman. Only a woman would think to do that. Was her face covered? Yes. A lot of times, people who know the person they're killing will cover them up afterwards. They don't want to see it. So I would think not necessarily a woman, but somebody that she knows. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Meredith had at least 15 bruises. Um, She had them on her mouth, her nose, her cheeks, her jaw, her neck, elbows, right forearm, small of her back left thigh and right lower leg oh my gosh yeah so these bruises were said to have indicated that she was not only restrained but she had also been kept from screaming for help and her neck bruising neck bruising indicated that she had been choked she had severe vaginal bruising indicating a violent assault before her death oh my god there was however no semen found in her body there this is very very odd to me okay so meredith was trained in taekwondo okay Mm -hmm. but there were virtually no signs that she fought back against her attacker um and her wounds were thought to be that of multiple people attacking her blood was practically everywhere and bloody shoe prints were found exiting the cottage that part really gets me that basically there was no struggle. That would mean she would know them. Yeah, that or it was multiple people or somebody very, very strong. I think even in those cases, there would be some sort of signs that she was fighting back. But typically, like if you're like surprised because you know the person, there's not a lot of fight mm-hmm. back. Yeah, that makes sense. So, the media immediately goes nuts, okay? You have this sweet, innocent-faced American exchange student in a foreign town and a murdered roommate under sketchy circumstances. Yeah. People claim that Amanda Knox's behavior is suspicious. I mean, she was practically making out with her boyfriend at the same time her roommate's body is being discovered, okay? So, her face is plastered everywhere as well as Raffaele's. 
there's an infamous photo of them kissing that most people are familiar with. I will be posting this along with photos of uh, the crime scene and all of that. Uh, do, are you familiar at all? No, no, not at all. Okay. So I do remember this picture. Um, she was also caught buying lingerie rather than going to Meredith's memorial service, I believe it was. Oh, nice. And there was something about her doing cartwheels. Like, basically, like, she's acting super weird considering her roommate just was murdered. Like, very ca- not casual, nonchalant. Like nonchalant, yeah. And not bothered very indifferent to like, the I fact i don't care if i had only known the girl for three weeks if my roommate was murdered i would be freaking the fuck out even if you weren't sad that she was dead because you didn't know her but just the fact that somebody broke into the house that you're living in and killed yeah. your roommate in cold blood like yeah. that's a horrifying thought no that is no normal reaction whatsoever mm-hmm. no not at all so she's looking super sketch right now yeah So Amanda Knox says that Italian prosecutors made up allegations that she was a sex and drug crazed party girl to help out their case. Mm -hmm. So somehow they were able to get a hold of her journal, um, which and uh, which she stated in that she had slept with a whole seven men. What a whore. No, like, they made a big deal of that. They were like, this American whore. I'm sure most women have slept with more than seven men. (laughs) Yeah, so, but, and the media made it, like, a huge deal, as they do everything. So, uh, media catches wind of this, and they start calling her this, like, wild she-devil, like, American slut, you know? Also, just because you sleep with a bunch of people doesn't mean you're capable of murder. Exactly. But the media is just eating this shit up. So, all of a sudden, this devil-worshipping, orgy-gone-wrong theory is created. Oh, my God. Okay? <laughs> Amanda Knox becomes painted as this cold-blooded, pot-smoking, sex-obsessed murderess. Oh, great. Okay? And this is all media. Just I fucking it, hate... You know, is, something needs to be done about the media. It is craziness. So, Foxy Noxie, which was a nickname that she earned uh, when she was in school and playing soccer, didn't help her case. Um, basically, she was on the front of the foreign tabloid magazines, Foxy Noxie, the she-devil. Oh, Foxy Noxie killed her roommate. Uh, Honestly, know. I kind of hope she did do it just because, like, literally that's a lot yeah. <laughs> to have to go through if you are innocent. Yep. So she's basically just labeled, like, this promiscuous young American who, you know, the prosecutors and the in the media alleged committed this murder with two men as part of this like crazy sex game gone so wrong. it's her and then they theorize it's two other men yes mm-hmm. where are they getting this is just like the what's his face Gaines. Ju- what's his name justin Gaines. justin Gaines. how they're like yeah um they killed him dumped him in a body of uh-huh. water in lake lanier right um the next day they came back after his body floated up picked him up and took him to a well yeah like it's literally the same it's thing too much. yeah it's not a theory right so, luckily for Amanda, American coverage was a little more forgiving, and they were focusing on the lack of forensic evidence and painting the case more as, like, an anti-American witch hunt. 
Yeah. Okay. Like these people in Italy are just, you know, torturing this young girl. She had nothing to do with it. Da 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 da. But, so uh, very like polar opposites. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. But now when I heard about this case, I thought it, I remember hearing about like this wild orgy gone wrong. And, like, <laughs> that was in my head when I started this case. Yeah. So that satanic sex theory, like it's never been proven, but sadly it's also never been forgotten. Right. Most people remember that. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Over the next few days after the murder, um, Amanda Knox and Raffaele Selecito uh, are repeatedly interrogated by the police. Mm-hmm. Which they should be. Absolutely. So Amanda told police that on November 1st, she received a text from her boss at the pub, Patrick Lamumba, saying that she didn't have to come into work that evening and she stayed over at Raffaele's apartment. And she only went back to the house she had shared with Kircher on the morning that her body was discovered. Mm -hmm. Knox was not provided with a lawyer because Italian law only mandates um, appointment of a lawyer for someone who is suspected of a crime. And at this point, she's not. They're just doing their normal interrogations and, you know, Mm -hmm. because you have to. Right. So on the night of November 5th, Amanda Knox voluntarily went to the police station. Not sure why, but she did. So, after a long night of interrogation, she signs a confession, which she admits to being in another room of the cottage and covering her ears while her La Chic boss, Patrick Lumumba, killed her roommate. This already sounds fake. So, police arrest Knox, Selecito, and Lumumba. Okay. Charges against Lumumba were dropped a short time later after he produced a solid alibi. Yeah, so there. It's fake. Yeah. It's not real. He actually had been at his bar the entire evening of the murder, and he had customers to back it up. Right. He was a black man. Okay. Oh. So I think this theory, because of just the way the world is you know they see oh this black man you know oh that looks great in the media too you know this black man did this a black man and then a satanist yeah sex addict yes killed with her boyfriend of a week yeah right yeah this all sounds so logical right So, um, at her trial, Amanda Knox testified that she had spent hours maintaining her original story with the police on that night, um, and that she had said that she had been with Selecito at his apartment all night, and that she had no knowledge of the murder, but that the police refused to believe her. In the meantime, Selecito admitted that Knox could have left his apartment at night while he was sleeping. Okay, so they're being interrogated, different rooms, different times. Raffaele says, like, well, I guess she could have left. That just fucked her. Right. (laughs) You know? So when detectives presented this to Knox as an accusation, she just broke down. And she says, I wasn't just stressed and pressurized. I was manipulated. Knox stated, they said they were convinced that I was protecting someone. They were saying, who is it? Who is it? They were saying, here's the message on your telephone. You wanted to meet up with him. You are a stupid liar. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Knox also claimed that she had been verbally and physically assaulted by the police. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. She said that a policewoman repeatedly slapped her in the back of the head, saying, come on, remember. And basically, she felt like the only way she was going to get out of it was to p- place the blame on Lumumba. Still shitty, but yeah. She's I hope like, he fires her. Go, she, yeah, don't you? Yeah. He was imprisoned for two weeks because of her false confession. That just, you know, like, if you're being interrogated like that, just yeah. leave. Like, if you're you not. You can't leave. Like, you're in this foreign freaking town across the world. You're a little American girl. They're slapping you in the head. You can't just leave. Why? I, no. I don't know what the laws are there, but I if think you're they not were being... already convinced that she did it. Yeah, but if she's not being, ch- well, I mean, in America, if you're not being charged with something, you can just leave. And she voluntarily went there. Yeah. So she was probably terrified. She was probably trying to clear the air and be like, hey, here's my side of the story. And then they're trying to force mm-hmm. a confession out of her. Yeah. I don't know how Italian law is, but I mean, in America, yeah, you if you're not being charged in another country, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I'm also not going to sit there and take abuse if I don't have to. Well, she blamed her boss basically to get out of there. Well, and they arrested her anyway. So, um, she claims that she made these false statements after being bullied, abused, and brainwashed, basically, from the police. Um, she said that she had requested a lawyer, but she was told that it would only make things worse for her and that she would go to jail for 30 years. She also said that she was not allowed to access food, water, or the bathroom. And the Italian police deny all of this. So, like I said, you would be terrified, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, poor Patrick Lumumba, though. Yeah, that poor guy just trying to run a fucking pub and this bitch over here blaming him for a murder. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like, if you go to prison, even if you become, if you're found out to be innocent, it still ruins your reputation. Yeah, I'm sure it ruined his life. Yeah. You know, he had to close his business for two weeks. He had, you know, his face is all over the news. You know, Mm -hmm. that's horrible. And he sat in jail for two weeks because of her lie. Like, that's some bullshit. Ugh. I hate that so much. Plus, like, when you give a false confession, it makes everything that you say so unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, you could be sitting there telling the God-honest truth, Mm -hmm. but if you've given a false confession, nobody's going to believe believe anything else you say. Nope. So, two weeks after Knox and Solicito are first arrested for the murder of Meredith Kircher, a forensic lab reported the results of its examination of DNA evidence taken from the crime scene. The evidence didn't point to Knox or Selecito at all. In fact, there was little to no DNA evidence linking the couple to the murder. What about the shoe print in the blood? We'll talk about all of that. Okay. So instead, it pointed to someone totally different. 20-year-old Rudy Gooday. 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 Gooday, sir. He was a friend of the Italian men that lived in the apartment below Knox's and Kircher's uh, cottage. I knew that when you said there was four men that lived Mm -hmm. below these four women that something was going to be weird about that. Mm -hmm. I just fucking knew it. Get a whole group of men together. If you're a man listening to this. But they really don't have anything to do with it. So. But their friend. Uh, mm, kind of 
I'll. <laughs> uh, he's a weirdo. Okay. This, <laughs> is this case solved? Like, do they? <laughs> we'll find out. I'm so confused. I mean, it is, but there is still a lot of speculation. Speculation. Okay. Yeah. So, Rudy Goudet, who was a, we'll say, quote, unquote, friend of the Italian men that lived beneath uh, the girls. So, the young men who lived in the downstairs apartment were all unable to recall how Goudet had met them. But they did recall how after his first visit ever to their home, Uh they had found him later in the bathroom sitting asleep on the unflushed toilet, which was full of feces. Interesting. Okay. Ew. (laughs) Why? Interesting correlation there. Yeah. So Goudet was from the Ivory Coast, and he had been in Italy for about 15 years since he was five years old. He had been accused of several burglaries in the past, but didn't have any convictions on his record. He was immediately arrested in Germany. Oddly enough, he had fled the country shortly after Meredith's murder. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So he admitted to being at the murder scene, but stated that he did not kill Kircher. He also stated that Knox and Selecito were not involved. I think that it's worthy to note that on the 27th of October, just days before Meredith Kircher's murder, Goudet was arrested in Milan after he broke into a nursery school. For what? For I don't know, but he was reportedly found by the police with an 11-inch knife that he had taken from the school's kitchen. Hmm. He was a weirdo. He seems like it. Yeah. Where did he get the knife? From, from the this, nursery From school? the kitchen. Why the fuck yeah. do they have a knife that big there? I guess. I mean, cooking food for the kids? What did they cook at a nursery school that would require a such a big knife? knife? Who freaking knows? <laughs> so, Goudet opts for a fast-track trial. So, no reporters were present for his trial. He tells the court that he had gone to the cottage for a date with Meredith after he met her the previous evening. Now, two neighbors of Goudet's uh, that were foreign uh, female students, and they were with him at the nightclub on that evening, told the police that the only girl that they saw him talking to had long blonde hair. So it obviously was not Meredith Kircher. Meredith had long, like, black hair. So Goudet says that Kircher had let him in the cottage around 9 p.m., Glass fragments from a rock thrown through the window showed differently. He had broken into that house. Right. Goudet said that him and Kircher had kissed and touched, but they did not have sex because neither of them had a condom. He claimed that he then developed stomach pains and went to the larger bathroom on the other side of the house. And shit and then didn't flush? Left it in the toilet. Okay. Goudet claimed that he heard Kircher scream while he was in the bathroom and that upon emerging, he saw a shadowy shadowy figure holding a knife and standing over her as she lie dying on the floor. Okay, this just sounds like... Totally made up, right? Totally made up. All these people just lying. A shadowy figure. Okay. Goudet stated that the man fled while saying in perfect Italian... Found black man. Found culprit. Let's go. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> found black man. Found 
culprit. Let's go. So basically another one of those, like it's the black guy. We're going to blame it on him. Let's go. Okay. So on, uh, in October of 2008, he was found guilty of the murder and sexual assault of Meredith Kircher. And he was sentenced to 16 years in prison. Wow, what a great short sentence for such a heinous murder. years in prison. So he was granted partial release in 2007 in order to attend school. And he was working at a library in central Italy as a volunteer for a Catholic charity. His sentence was set to officially end in 2022. But just a couple weeks ago this year, on December 4th, an Italian court ruled that Goudet could complete his term doing community service. This fucker is out of prison. What? Okay, and I thought the American system was fucked up. Talk about a fucked up judicial system. Jesus, dude. That poor girl having no justice. None. None. 20 years old. This guy gets, well, 16 years, but really got out much sooner than that. Horrible. So Knox and Selechito uh, ha- uh, chose to have a full trial and they were tried together. Mm-hmm. On the stand, Knox testifies that she had spent the night of the murder at her boyfriend's home where they smoked marijuana, made love, and fell asleep. She also refutes the accusation that she and Kircher didn't get along. Of course, prosecution's going to be like, you hated her, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, and she insisted that she signed the confession that implicated Lumumba only because she was under intense pressure from the police. So the charges were that Knox, Selecito, and Goudet had murdered Kircher in her bedroom. The prosecution argued that Knox had attached Kircher in her bedroom, repeatedly banging her head against a wall. Uh, that Mer- uh, I'm sorry that Amanda had forcefully held her face and tried to strangle her. They suggested that Knox had taunted Kircher and may have said, "Get this, you acted the goody goody so much. Now we are going to show you. Now you're going to be forced to have sex." Oh, yeah. The like, prosecution said yes, that. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's also made up as yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like, just like the sex orgy satanic Exactly. They, like, ritual. I feel like they literally just wanted to, like, ruin Amanda Knox's life. Jesus. Or maybe it's all true. We don't know. How would they know that? How would know. they know that's true? <laughs> I don't know. So, the... Prosecution hypothesized that Goudet, Knox, and Selecito had removed Kircher's jeans and held her hand, uh, held her on her hands and knees while Goudet sexually abused her, and that Knox had cut Kircher with a knife before inflicting the fatal stab wound, and that she had then stolen Kircher's ma- mobile phones and money to fake a burglary. This shit is wild. Like they really set this girl up. They did. They really did. Mm -hmm. So on December 5th, 2009, Knox and Selecito were convicted of murder. Knox to serve 26 years and Selecito to serve 25 years. How did they get more than what's his face? Than Goudet? (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, man, this shit's fucked. 
So Knox and Selecito were released after almost ser- uh, after serving almost four years following their acquittal at a second level trial. Even though Knox was sentenced to three years imprisonment imprisonment for maliciously accusing an innocent, Knox immediately returned to the United States. <laughs> yeah, I would have to. Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting the hell up out of here. Italy would not be the move for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So literally zero evidence supported that Knox or Selecito was present at the crime scene. Um in my opinion, I think a sloppy investigation and a contaminated crime scene, along with the police setup um, and the prosecution and the media wanted to create some freaky, kinky sexual murder, almost cost an innocent woman and man their livelihood. Yeah. You know, I think the whole thing is just fucked. So Italy was ordered to pay approximately $20,000 in damages and legal costs to Knox for failing to provide her with a lawyer or proper translator during her hours of police questioning. Only $20,000? $20,000. Now, I don't, I'm not really sure why she would have needed a translator because she was fluent in Italian. So I'm not sure. but Maybe because it wasn't her native language. Right. They did neither. So Amanda Knox is now back in her hometown of Seattle, Washington, and she is married to Christopher Robinson, who is an author and poet. She is a journalist, activist, and she runs a true I should be able to say this. A true crime podcast. Oh, does she? Yes, called The Truth About True Crimes. A writer at heart, she wrote a book, Waiting to Be Heard, which earned her $4 million and became a bestseller. Wow. Knox uh, studied creative writing at college, and several of her short stories were scrutinized during her trial for their sexual and violent themes. I'm telling you, they pulled anything and everything they could. Yeah. That's Um, what they do. mm -hmm. Dude, like, if you were to die, they would... Oh, she does a true crime podcast. Literally, in any of our texts where we're talking about intrusive thoughts, they're like, dude, this bitch murdered her in cold blood for sure. Yeah. Yeah, They'd listen to this exact episode and be like, this was her... The premeditation. (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, you, man. (laughs) It's crazy. So, um, now Amanda Knox has since admitted to struggling with guilt over falsely accusing Patrick Lumumba, as she should. For sure. That poor guy. Like... I wonder I just, how he feels about it now. I read an article that said something of, and I don't quote me on this, but something like basically Patrick Lumumba said the only reason Amanda Knox is out is because she's a rich white woman, basically. Like, he's pissed. Okay, good. She was ordered, <laughs> yeah, she was ordered to pay him money as well. Good. <clears throat> So, um, Amanda Knox spoke of the early release of Goudet on December 7th of this year, and she said, I am the one who has been condemned to live with his infamy, she tells uh, GMA, and while I can't say that I wish him suffering or imprisonment, I do wish that he had been fully held accountable for what he did and that he acknowledged what he did, and I don't know if that will ever happen. The only reason that you know I exist is because of what he did, and that is a grave injustice. I can agree with that. So, now, as I said at the beginning, there are still plenty of people that believe Amanda Knox is somehow associated with the murder of Meredith Kircher. Even though there's zero forensic evidence? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I, however, do not think that any evidence shows that. I don't There either. are YouTube videos you can watch where people say, well, this happened and that happened and this, you know, she lied about this and she lied about that. She probably did lie about things because yeah. she was scared shitless. I mean, that happens all the time, like, you know, with the West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm. Literally, false confession after false confession. Same with um, St- the Stephen Avery case. Mm-hmm. His like nephew or or whoever the fuck it was gave a false confession that landed Stephen Avery in prison because Mm -hmm. the police can manipulate the fuck out of you and they can be so intense that you feel like the only way you're ever going to get out of this is if you lie yeah well I'll tell you when I told Aaron I was doing this case he was familiar with it Mm -hmm. and I was somewhat like I said my opinion has definitely swayed since doing my research yeah but we both were talking about what a psychopath she was because that's what the only thing we knew. Yeah. Because that's what the media told us. Right. That's what we knew about her. And now that I have done all of this, I'm like, I don't think she had anything to do with it. I don't either. So, um, I mean, I think she's definitely different. She's quirky. Um, if you listen to her talk, you watch the Amanda Knox documentary. She's mm-hmm. very different. Um, maybe the way she behaved at the beginning stages of the crime investigation was odd. Yeah. But I don't think that this makes her a murderer. Well, also, like, I will say, it is odd to be kissing your boyfriend and Mm -hmm. whatever. But she didn't know that there was... Well, that and I think everyone copes differently. Yeah. You know, this is a new relationship. It, 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 to me, it was more so showing comfort, you know, comforting someone. Yeah. Or, you know, it could have also been like, okay, so I found some shit in the toilet and a few speckles of blood on the sink and the door was open. Yeah. And that's it. Like, and she, maybe she didn't even think that anything was going to come of it. Maybe she thought when they busted open that door. She was going to be in there sleeping or or not in there at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't always expect the worst. Right. You know what I mean? Well, she's definitely an odd kind of girl. You know, she really is. And, but I don't think odd behavior equals guilt. I would be interested to know how she acted after they found the body. Yeah. I'm not sure. Because I think that would be a true telling. Well, she acted strange, clearly. I mean, she, like I said, she went out and bought lingerie instead of going to her that is, going yeah. to her memorial service, which that maybe because the media was focused so much on the couple, maybe they just didn't want to be there and have, you know, maybe they needed time to themselves. Maybe, you know, I, I can't yeah. judge them off of that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um And unless I'm just missing something major here, I didn't find a single thing that truly implicated her involvement with the murder. And trust me, like, I dug. Yeah. I dug. And I watched some things that, you know, said, oh, she did this and she did that. But I just, I don't see it. So, um, she's an odd girl, like I said. Back in November of this year, she was under scrutiny scrutiny again after she posted what some people considered an insensitive tweet on Twitter. Oh, she's super, super active on Twitter. Now, she said, whatever happens, the next four years can't be as bad as that four-year study abroad I did in Italy, right? That was her status. And Twitter users did not find the humor in that statement. One user by the name of Two If by C seventy one replied with, "I'm sure the family of the murdered girl appreciate you finding the funny side." 
while user Java Chick stated, girl, I don't think you murdered your roommate, but a tweet like this makes me understand why some people think you did. Piers Morgan said, I can think of a 21-year-old British girl named Meredith Kircher who had a far worse time than you in Italy. Remember her? How dare you make a joke of it, you disgusting piece of work. Knox defended herself by replying, Occasionally I joke about my wrongful conviction and imprisonment in Italy. I'm allowed to joke about my own trauma. I didn't joke about the Kirchers. I didn't kill Meredith. Rudy Gaudet did, and you know it. Stop exploiting Meredith's name to victim blame me. You're pathetic. Honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I don't really feel like it's that wrong. You don't feel like it's insensitive? I mean, maybe a little bit, but I feel like, you know, yeah, Meredith did get murdered. And that is really horrible. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this was also a horrible thing that happened to her, too. And like she said, she can joke about her own trauma if, you know, maybe it's her way of... She didn't say anything about the murder. She literally was just joking about her wrongful conviction. And I think that that, like, if she would have mentioned the murder or mentioned... Meredith by name or whatever. Yeah. Just to be like the butt of the joke. Yeah, that would be wrong, but I mean she said that four year study abroad is a joking, you know. Exactly. It's... And she's talking about like the four years in prison, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So not even like I don't know. People are just so sensitive. It's insane to Snowflakes. me. I mean, I would have never posted something like that. Because I know how people can be, but if I would have personally seen that and been aware of this whole thing, I probably would have been like, like, "Hmm, yep, true. (laughs) Right. So uh, now about Raffaele Selecito. In 2007, he said that he and Knox were still friends, but that they had moved on from one another. And in December of 2019, he announced that he was newly engaged. He has also written a book and is working on a second. Knox said, if you haven't read his book, which is called Honor Bound, I recommend it. Raffaele was subjected to incredible injustice simply because he was my alibi. His refusal to compromise his honesty and and integrity for a girl he only knew for five days is both heroic and underappreciated. And I think that is so true. Yeah. Like, he never wavered from... Except for, well, well, she might have. And I'm sure that was another manipulation. (laughs) Yeah. You know? I mean, it was. And, you know, it's so hard to hear that kind of stuff because, like, when you're with somebody, like, you and me have been together, what, like, four or five hours now? Yeah. I know for a fact you never left. Right. Like, I know for a fact that you never left. That I didn't go murder somebody in the Right. And if, like, the police would have been like, so did she leave? I 100% would be like, no, no. I can tell you with complete certainty she never left. Yeah. Like, we were here together the the whole whole time. time. Yeah. It's insane how they can manipulate you into being like, like, I could never see myself being like, yeah. She maybe she have gone. I don't know. Like, I I mean, there was that time I was in the bathroom for like five minutes. She could have walked <laughs> she to the neighbor's house. And <laughs> yeah. I did go throw away my cup downstairs. Who right. knows? She could have made it to the end of the neighborhood and back by then. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, I believe in that situation. He was probably trying to save his own ass. Oh, I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. Maybe he was like, you know, maybe I, if I can, you know, get the attention off of me some yeah. and onto her. Uh, 
So Solecito now stars as a TV expert on crimes for Italy's TGCOM 24. When asked why he took the job, he said, I've been a victim of a miscarriage of justice. I know the faults of the justice system, what happens in jail, and what happens when the media twists the truth. The usual experts on these shows have seen these three, seen these things through a window. I have lived them. Wow. True that. Very profound, Raffaello. Yeah, he's a Raffaele. Raffaele. You have to watch some of his. Like, he is so, I, to me, he is so handsome and mm-hmm. so intelligent, and that Italian accent is just awesome. Like, he just seems like such a sweetie. Like, uh, she called him, she was a huge Harry Potter fan. Uh-huh. She said he was the Italian Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> he's just kind of dorky, sweet, cute. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> So, um, in closing, I do want to say that the Mer- uh, the home that Meredith Kircher was killed in went up for sale in 2018, just three years after being bought the first time. It has been rumored to have said to have been broken into many times since the murder. I'm sure. Reportedly by Satanists. Of course. Thanks, Go. media. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in the U.S., sellers are required to disclose if a murder took place in a house but that's not the case in Italy, and the listing makes no mention of the crime that took, that took place there, which I'm sure most every, people, most people yeah. are going to know about it, unless they're from another country looking to move to Perugia, right. you know? So the four-bedroom property is described as a countryside villa in the heart of the historic center of the city of Perugia, Italy, with a wonderful panoramic terrace. Oh, okay. The home has been completely renovated and had an asking price of 295,000 euros, which is equal to <laughs> sorry, okay, which is equal to uh $361,595.96 in US dollars. Hmm. So, $360,000. Yep, not buying it. Nope. Nope. No. And that's all I've got there. My murder mansion's for sale, too. So yeah. anybody wants to buy my house. house. Yeah. We got a couple for you. Yep, they're, they're both for sale. So, <laughs> Well, that was really good, Brooke. Well, thank you. Lots of detail. I tried. I tried. Like I said, I, I wanted a very unbiased um, opinion on it. And now this is just a lot of this, you know, was my opinion. So... You guys are welcome to your own opinion. If you have anything different you'd like to say about the case, maybe something I missed. Um, if you believe that Amanda Knox is guilty, uh, we'd love to hear why. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, talk about it. Tell us on our Facebook page. This and Columbine, definitely two of your, your best episodes. Oh, well, thank you. So, good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we have any announcements, do we? There's our ads not going to repeat those if you want to buy an ad look at our announcement on facebook about that um not really anything we are going to do a giveaway we have not talked about the giveaway yet we are going to do a giveaway and we need to do it soon yes so keep a lookout on our facebook page instagram something we'll post it eventually we're trying to come up with a new giveaway if you guys have giveaway ideas shoot them to us please because we are brain dead don't know (laughs) what to do anymore so next episode guys hopefully i can tell you who 
mostly harmless slash denim is. Yes. Because my heart is just so full of joy. Happy for him. Yes, happy for the family. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more detail about that. Yeah. Honestly. Okay, well, you guys should join our Facebook group um, at, um, for God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice. Follow our Instagram and TikTok at don't drink the Jones juice. Buy our merch. They make great Christmas gifts, just so you guys know. Oh, yeah. We have kid shirts. We have adult shirts. We have hoodies. We have sweaters. We have tie dye. Tie dye, yes. We've got long sleeve shirts. Got it all, okay? We've got a new image, too. Did I put that one that I put on the uh, stickers? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we do have a new image. Check it out. Yes, check it out. And you can find that at storefrontier.com slash don't drink the Jones juice. Um, Cameron, come pick up your shirt. She hasn't yet. <laughs> it's a- been forever. Appar- apparently she came by uh, whatever day. I wasn't there. My birthday, the 18th. And uh, I wasn't there, and nobody knew where the shirt was. So, oh, no. <laughs> but she she has an appointment with me like next week or something. So, poor Cameron. That's the only one. <laughs> oh my gosh, girl, what you doing? Okay, um, I feel like there is one thing I wanted to mention, but I can't remember what it was, which happens every time. Boop. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, I guess I'll tell you guys next time if I remember it. All right. For God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice.